Welcome to Shofar Cape Town South Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. It's indeed amazing to, to be with you guys tonight. And um, yeah, it's always a privilege, Christopher, to share the word and to be in a, in a place where the word of God is received. Uh, that's special. It's not always the case. Sometimes the soil is a little bit harder. Um, and sometimes a little bit softer. So I want to thank you for your, for your soft hearts. I want to thank you for your, for your open hearts. I want to thank you for your faith with which you are also receiving the word. Because at the end of the day, it really does depend on the hearts receiving the word. Um, and I've got, a, I've got a huge expectation tonight as well. I bring you greetings from Shofar Summers West, which is my home, um, hometown where I'm based now. For my beautiful wife, Nikki, she sends her love. She always enjoys coming to Shofar Cape Town South. And um, you guys refresh us whenever we, we come to, to minister. I try and bring the kids along as well. And it's always such a joy to, to be with you and be in your midst. Uh, it feels like years have taken off my life. I'm still very young. I'm in my, my mid-40s now. I'm just getting started. So, uh, but just being with you really refreshes me and, and energizes me. And it's amazing what you carry. You carry a spirit of obedience a willingness to say to the Lord, Lord, whatever, however, whenever, your will be done. And uh, that is special. And so I want to ask you to, yeah, <laughs> the Lord loves you very much. Eh? You know that. Yeah, He loves you very much. And um, He's got a very special, just a plan for, for your life, for your, for your hands. Some beautiful things that you're going to do with your, with your hands. And He wants you to know that you are in His hands. And I just see you just being um, sort of, just like a flower in the Lord's hands that he's, that he's covering and that he's protecting. And he's, uh, you know you're beautiful, but the Lord is saying to you, you're much more beautiful even than what you, what you know. And he's fighting for you. And he's not going to allow anything to, to happen to you. He's fighting for his flower. <laughs> um, and God is so into each one of us understanding and knowing that his purpose for us is, is irrevocable, as Pastor D said as well tonight. His purpose is irrevocable. And I was battling, wrestling with this word. I shared this word with our pastors on Wednesday. And um, it's amazing. Sometimes you share a word and you think it's for other people. don't know if anybody ever, like, read a word. Ah, oh, that's for my neighbor. That's for that guy. You know, he can do with this. And they're like, okay, all right, all right. So the Lord just used me to prepare a sermon because he wanted to speak to me. So uh, that, that's really the case of some of the stuff that I'm going to share with you guys tonight. But I believe it's going to be a, a blessing to you as well. And so just some, some of the context to, this, to this, um, this verse. Let's read Isaiah 58 verse 12. Um, Isaiah 58, it's a chapter that deals with fasting, amongst other things, fasting and justice. And it speaks about the fact that God delights not in outward signs of religion, outward signs of fasting. He speaks about the fact that he, he loves fasting that has to do with true justice. We can't impress God. Very soon we, we're going to fast. You guys might have fasted already, but we're going to, um, from time to time, we get together as church family. We fast and we trust God to really do things in our lives that we cannot do for ourselves. But um, the Lord is clear. Scripture is clear that God desires fasting that goes over into practical living fasting that breaks the yokes of bondage and heaviness and oppression and injustice so 
So the idea is that what we receive from God in the spirit, we translate that into the natural. What we receive from God on a Sunday, we translate that into a Monday, into a Tuesday, into a Wednesday. The idea is we don't have different compartments. We hold it on a Sunday and then completely messed up on a Monday. The idea is for our whole lives to flow into one another, like the different chambers of your heart, that they're all connected. And the blood needs to flow from one chamber into, into the next. And it ends off with this beautiful promise that God gives His people. And He says, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. And it's a, it's a verse that the Lord first began to speak into my life many, many years ago. I was, in, I was living in a small town called Beaufort West. don't know if you guys know Beaufort West. You normally probably just drive past it on your way to Joburg or the Free State. But it is a beautiful town. It can be quite dry and very hot, but uh, it is a beautiful town. That's where my, uh, my mom's from. I was born there while they were living in, in, uh, in Somerset West. And it's actually where I also got engaged to my beautiful wife. So Buffalo West has got a very special place um, in my heart. But whilst we were, we almost got married there as well. We seriously contemplated getting married there. And then we thought, hey, maybe just a step too far. You want to test people's love for you, but maybe asking people to drive to Beaufort was going to be just one step too far for the wedding. But uh, um, it, was, it was in Beaufort West. I was probably in standard five, which is grade seven, I think. Yes, grade seven. And I overheard my, my mom having a conversation with one of my cousins. And um, I grew up in a very sheltered home. I'm, I'm a PK. Um, one or two other PKs here in this house. How many PK? PK. PK, whoa, my goodness, PK, yes, like it, you guys, amazing. PK, for those of you that don't know, it's a pastor's kid, all right? It's not a disease, it's a pastor's kid, <laughs> okay? Sometimes might have felt like a disease, but um, it's a pastor's kid, all right? So it's somebody that has grown up with his mom or his dad in ministry, and I grew up in ministry, so a very sheltered environment, a place protected by the love of God, and grew up in an amazing family. But our extended family, I'd actually forgotten really how devastated our extended family was until this one day when I heard my, my cousin speaking to my mom and she was counseling him. And it was actually an incident of, of incest in that part of the, the family. And it really broke me, it really hit home. And I began to realize the devastation that God had saved us from. The sexual immorality, the drunkenness, the alcohol abuse, the physical abuse, the sexual abuse, so much of the stuff just in my extended family, they were just causing havoc. It was just absolutely destroying people. And it was during that time, as I remember, standard five, I was wrestling with God, just weeping and weeping. It hit me really in my gut as to the condition that our family was in. And God led me to this verse where he gave me a promise in, and told me he's going to use me to raise up the foundations of many generations. So I was, I was standard five feeling in, completely insignificant. So what can a young boy do at that stage? But little did I know that you said it, God doesn't forget. God doesn't forget. He speaks words over our lives, and sometimes we forget. Sometimes we move on. And so I'd actually forgotten about that word. I knew in that moment God was calling me to ministry, but I, 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 I began to swim in the Nile. In other words, I was in denial and didn't want to... <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to follow my dad's footsteps and 
just wanted to get away from the calling of God upon my life, right? And so I said, there are two things I'll never do. I'll never become a teacher and I'll never teach. So that's also like a promise for those of you guys who don't know. In Christian circles, in God's economy, when you say, I will never, it's actually basically saying, Lord, send me there. That's like, all right, so, so some of you might think, I've never made a promise to God. Well, have you said never? If you said never, that's your promise, okay? And God is going to take you up on that. So I'll never become a teacher, so I ended up teaching for 10 years. I'll never become a pastor, and I'm pastoring, all right? But I had this amazing plan that I made. I'm going to make a deal with God. I won't pastor, but I will, I will um, become a teacher, and I'll have this amazing Christian school. Because that's a good, it sounds great. And so I taught for a couple of years in Cape Town. Then I went to the States. I taught there. And while I was there, God was on my case, busy working on my heart, bringing me back to some of the words he had given me, some of the promises that he had given me. And this was one of them. And so this was the word that God birthed into my heart. You shall be called the repairer of the bridge, the restorer of streets to dwell in. And I actually used this verse to lead me back into ministry. And I came back and I told our pastor, Pastor Fred, back then was the founder of Shofar, Told him what the Lord had told me. It's leading me back into ministry. And then five years later, God called me into ministry. And so I had to be tested as well. And then I sort of got into ministry. And, and a while ago, at the beginning of this year, the Lord spoke this verse over my heart again. I began to think about this. Why is it so important to repair which was broken down? And what, what is a breach? And a breach is basically something that has been, been broken. Right? You have a wall. And then there's a breach in this wall. You have a relationship. There's a breach in the relationship. In other words, there was something that was created, something that had a purpose, something that had a destiny, something that had a mission. And then there was something that came to like a wrecking ball and caused destruction there. Like in our family, our family was created to display God's glory. Our family was created to be men and women that will be safe places for kids to be born in. But in my extended family, a whole lot of my Cousins were born outside of wedlock and went through a lot of pain, a lot of devastation. Why? Because there was a breach. There was a breach in terms of the protection that a dad had to exercise over them. There was a hole in the wall of protection. Does that make sense to you? And so when God speaks to us and God calls us, He calls us to look at where are the breaches, where are the holes, where are the gaps, and then for us to step into that gap and to make a difference. And for each one of you guys, you are sitting here, God has called you to be restorers of the breach. God has called you to be those who will restore that which has been broken down, that which has been stolen, that which the enemy came to destroy and to twist, whether it's music, whether it's engineering, whether it's the arts, whether it's journalism, whether it's graphic designing, whatever it is, God has a purpose for that thing that you're studying. And God is calling you to restore that to its original purpose. Amen? He's calling you to bring that back to the purpose for which God had created it. For some of you, he's calling you to go back to the ancient past. Why did God create a man? Why did God create a woman? And not to accept the definitions that the world is trying to put on you. To wrestle with God as to what that is. And part of the, the reason why we are in this room, the, the mere fact that we are here, it is a prophetic act to say that we believe that the holes and the gaps and the breaches in UCT's destiny can be restored. And we are calling this campus back to God's destiny. We are calling this campus to a place of accountability to God. We are calling this campus back to a place of service to this nation and to Africa. We are calling this campus back to a place where the people who are raised here and released here will be world changers. Not for selfish gain, but for God's kingdom and for God's glory. That servants will go from this place who will change and impact their community. And so I want to... 
I don't know what your names are. I, I don't know. I, I know some names, but I'm just going to baptize all of you, all right? Repairers of the breach, restorers of streets to dwell in. That's who you are. You are actually in construction. You are actually in spiritual construction. All of you are spiritual construction workers. We've got a few engineers here in the, in the house, but all of us are spiritual construction workers. We've been called by God to restore that which has been broken down. And there's this beautiful picture. It's a model. It's, it's a, 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 an artist's depiction of the walls of Jerusalem. And I just want you to have a look at that because a wall is something that has been created to be a safe place. Anybody here from Joburg? Walls, all right. Walls in Joburg, a little bit different to walls in Cape Town. You've got walls in Joburg, right? Yeah, I don't know, these things down here, they're not walls. In Joburg, you've got serious, serious walls, okay? But a wall has a purpose. A wall has a, a purpose to defend and to protect. And when the walls aren't there, you are vulnerable. And so with this, the city of Jerusalem, there was this, this wall around the city that was supposed to protect the inhabitants of the city. And if you go and read Nehemiah 3, right, you will find that when Nehemiah, no, just, you, yeah, there you go. Nehemiah was um, a prophet. He was actually didn't start off as a prophet. He actually started off working in civil service. He was the king's cupbearer, right? So he was the guy that was supposed to taste the wine the king was drinking to make sure that the king wouldn't be poisoned. How's that for a job, all right? This can be your best and your last job, all right? And so... With his job, part of his job description was always look happy, all right? Always look happy because your happiness is a reflection of the king's majesty. So it was actually a sin. You could die looking depressed. So he had to look happy whilst tasting the wine, all right? Knowing any moment he can die. But he was actually in charge of the entire wine-making process from the beginning right until the wine came into the king's cup. And one day he gets the news that the walls of Jerusalem are burned down. He's in exile. He's in Babylon. Some of his family members have stayed behind in Jerusalem. And he gets news from his brother. I think it's his uncle that came. And his uncle brought him the news and told him, Jerusalem's walls have been burned down. There's nothing left. People are coming in and out. The poor are being exploited. We are at the mercy of our enemies because there's no protection. When the walls come down, the enemy has a field day. When the walls come down in a man's heart and he forgets that he has been called to protect and to serve the vulnerable, the enemy comes in and exploits and kills and murders and abuses. When the walls come down in a civil servant's heart and he forgets that he's been called to serve the people, not the other way around, exploitation and corruption comes in. And so, so, so the walls are important. A, a wall is there for the protection of those around him. And something happens to Nehemiah, and Nehemiah's heart gets broken. He starts weeping, starts crying, and he asks God, God, what can I do? And God gives him favor with the king. And so the one day the king asks him, Nehemiah, why are you downcast? Nehemiah, why are you sad? And then the word says Nehemiah became very afraid because it's not just like I'm asking you, hey, how are you doing? You know, he could lose his job or he could lose his neck with the wrong answer. And then he was honest and he told the king, he said, king, this is what's happening to my city. And the king sends him back there. The king sends him with provisions, with manpower. He arrives at Jerusalem. He spends three days walking around, seeing the devastation of the city. And then he starts rebuilding. He mobilizes everybody. Some of you have got, got the gift of mobilization. 
You've got the gift of leadership. You can use your words to inspire people. You can use your words to inspire people either to build or to break down. Some of you have been gifted with something that's inside of you. When I was worshiping, I felt that there's, there's a fountain of vocabulary, a fountain of, of poetic power that lives in some of you in this place. And you've got to consecrate that to God. There's a, a verbal gift that lies within this church. There's a gift of songwriting and of prophecy and of preaching the word, but also just to inspire people. There's a gift of verbal leadership in this place. But you can use it either to inspire others, to lift them up, or you can use that to mobilize and to inspire others for destruction. Because that gift will be used. The question is just simply this, will it be used by God or will it be used by the enemy? And sometimes we think it's just neutral, it's just my gift. No, it's not just your gift. It will either be, either be used by God or will be used by the enemy. And you've got to make a serious choice tonight, even some of you, to say that my gift, I cannot handle this gift. It's actually too big for me. I've got to go and got to surrender this to God. Some of you must do yourself a favor. Go and follow Kanye, Kanye West's journey with God. He's a raw Christian. He's new, but there's some exciting 